You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The Michael Reed Show Podcast. Tune in weekdays from 9 on LMFM. To contact us, email now. Michael at lmfm.ie. Friday morning, the 23rd of June. Good morning with much debate and discussion from now till 11 a.m. This is Michael Reed on LMFM. The first consultative forum on international security was held in Cork yesterday, examining how the world has changed and what risks Ireland faces today because of that change. I do think that the scale of the risks we've heard described so eloquently today um, really demonstrate just how important it is that we have conversations like this. And I would hope that the um, the range of views expressed both across from the floor and from the stage um, disabused those who thought this was going to be a... Um, uh, a stitch up, I suppose. That's the chair, Louise Richardson, reflecting on the first day of the forum. Well, there certainly was a lot said from the floor as the Tarnished experienced personally when he tried to give his opening address. Sir Andrew Cotty and his team for partnering with us in hosting this consultative forum. I can think of no better place. In order to manufacture public acceptance for increased military spending and participation in EU and NATO military projects, the academics present here have not a drop of academic integrity. Okay. You both sold your souls to NATO and the EU who willingly participate in a forum designed to come to only one conclusion to justify the actions of the EU and what is called the refugees fleeing the aftermath of murderers. That I can think of no better place to open the proceedings of the forum than here in Cork and in University College Cork. And as an, as an, an academic centre of excellence, <clears throat> you finish? researchers who have approved of American and British imperialist interests for their entire professional careers, Andrew Cotty of this university. No, the protesters were not finished. They could have gone on forever, telling Michal Martin he should be ashamed of himself, the government should be ashamed of itself, naming the names of people with blood on their hands and citing all of the problems in the world that NATO is responsible for. Michal Martin stood his ground. Could I just say, first of all, that I grew up in this city and I learned about freedom of speech and democracy in this university and above all and above all 
Borken, Borken, Borken. Please. You had your platform. You have said what you've had to say. I would respectfully, yeah. I would have. No. But I also say, I think the most undemocratic thing you can do is try and shut down debate. And that's what you're trying to do here this morning. You are trying to shut down debate. You're behaving in a manner, you're behaving in a manner that's intolerant of the freedom of speech. You don't want to allow other views to come forward. What you are saying is debate on your terms and on nobody else's terms. But that's not what we're going to do today. We're going to debate these issues. And I want to thank the majority of people who are here today who are, and all of those who are following proceedings online and those who have made written submissions. Because this is the first time that our country has ever embarked on a national conversation of this kind and your willingness to engage is the parameter of its success. No doubt there was high drama in Cork yesterday. The forum will sit for a second time in Galway today. Let's speak to our political correspondent, Sean Defoe. Good morning to you, Sean, and thanks for joining us. Before we talk about neutrality or protests or indeed the forum itself, it has to be said everything has been overshadowed today by the scandal at RTE. Yeah, I think that's what is dominating the airwaves and indeed all the front pages of the papers this morning as well. These revelations that over a period of more than five years, their top presenter, Ryan Toberty, was paid in the region of 350,000 euro more than they said he was paid. Um, relates to sort of two two different aspects, if you like, pre-2020. There isn't really a great explanation as to, to, to why the figures are the way they were. Uh, Post-2020, it was due to a commercial arrangement with a commercial partner of RTE that had agreed to pay Mr. Tuberty €75,000 a year uh, in exchange for obviously some uh, commercial activity at RTE but also his appearance at a number of events. They ended that partnership after one year but the contract had been underwritten by RTE and so they had to continue to pay him that €75,000 which didn't appear on his publicly declared pay that the RTE obviously has to do does their mm. the, the top 10 highest paid uh, every every two years. Uh, so the a lot of questions being asked today as mm. one how did you know and within any state body or semi state body three hundred and fifty thousand euro uh, is a lot of money not to declare and to, to, to basically be behind the scenes. There's a lot of questions of politicians I've been to over the last twenty four hours about the RTE board, how they handled it, were they trying uh, to hide the money? If so, why were they trying to hide the money? They had obviously made commitments to bring down their payroll and RT has been under financial pressure for quite some time. The commitment in 2019 was to reduce the pay of its top uh, 10 stars by 15%. They had claimed that they had done that for by, by 11% for mm. Mr. Tuberty. In fact, it was closer to 5%. When well, that said, some, somebody, knew that that, somebody knew that was a lie. Well, somebody knew that that was wrong. Yeah. You, uh, well, that his approach. pay hadn't been cut uh, the way they were declaring it had been cut. No, and that makes you wonder, was this a way around that? Mm. Was it a way to keep Mr. Tuberty happy that they, he was still going to be paid uh, quite an amount that just wasn't going to appear on the books? You would also have to question, even though he said in a statement that this is a matter for RTE, if he doesn't know or couldn't shed any light on it, I mean, if your salary was publicly declared mm. uh, for any of us, and you, the number you saw publicly was very different to the number you were getting, surely you would raise a question about that. So look, there's an awful lot... 
uh, to answer for here. There is, I don't think there's any doubt that RT are going to end up before the Public Accounts Committee. Certainly the Chair, Brian Stanley, has made it clear that that's what he wants to see. And it comes at a particularly difficult time for the broadcaster because a lot of the engagement the politicians would have been having when they weren't getting a grilling on RT, which obviously doesn't exactly lend themselves to a huge amount of kindness uh, towards the organisation, is that Dee Forbes and other people over the last few years have been in looking for money. They've been looking mm. for licence fee reform, they've been looking uh, to clamp down on licence fee evasion, and they have been looking for more money to produce the services that well, they and, do. And they want you and I to pay more in, in licence fee. They want the licence fee to be more expensive. Uh, and perhaps if the licence fee was more expensive, they'd have had more money to pay Ryan Turbidy and there wouldn't have been any need to hide the money that they were paying him. But see, I don't see the advantage in hiding it. I mean, mm. Brian Tuberty was paid a high salary. We all know that. He's their top earner. And had we known that he was paid, sort of, depending on the year, somewhere between 20, 20 and 75 grand more, I mean, would it have caused all that much of a scandal to just mm. be outright and direct with it? Do you wonder why, if this was the case, of somebody trying to cook the books, uh, you know, w- what was the, the big advantage other than maybe keeping one of their top stars uh, happy? W- that might lead you down a, a cause to think that this was more cock-up than conspiracy, mm. that this was a mistake made that maybe wasn't necessarily uh, caught onto that then snowballed and ended up into a very, very large amount ultimately when the accounts were reviewed. If that mm. was the case, why did it take five and a half years of these payments for that to come to light? So yeah. there's an awful lot of information mm. we don't have um, and, and they spent they, they, they spent eighty thousand euro in fees paying them one hundred and twenty thousand euro, and then there was that seventy five thousand euro that was to be paid to them initially from a sponsor. Have you ever heard of a program sponsor paying money directly to a presenter as part of the presenter's salary? It seems very very peculiar. Uh, it does seem strange that, look, sponsors and and, and, uh, and broadcasters can get into lots of different arrangements. Uh, so when I heard that, I did think it sounded strange, but not necessarily totally implausible that that would happen. At the same time, it, uh, for a company that is looking to recoup money wherever it can and to cut costs, you know, that is money that otherwise you think through advertising would have gone into the coffers of RT, perhaps to pay some of their, their, their less well-paid staff or to, to hang mm. on to people in the, the newsroom or whatever other elements of the organisation there is. So... It just does seem a little bit unorthodox without knowing the full details of it. Uh, and the question ultimately is about trust. You know, there was a survey out uh, only last week that went into trust in the media that says it has been declining since 2017. And at that list, you mm. was the top uh, news source for people in Ireland. I think it's 71% approval, just a little bit ahead of local and regional radio. So that trust has now been damaged. I think any chance they have of getting any extra money out of politicians yeah. has absolutely gone out of the window because they wouldn't be able to justify now with, with stuff like this. And then there's the question about is this happening elsewhere? Are there mm-hmm. other talents mm-hmm. in the top 10? And we know that the contract, like, but we know this, maybe people might not know, there are usually two kind of contracts when you get into these big high-paying presenters. There are sort of staff contracts that say people in, in the newsroom again like mm-hmm. might be on uh, that usually come with all the benefits of employment, pensions and all that sort of stuff. And then the very higher paid talent can often be on quite short-term but more, much more lucrative contractor uh, employment. So they okay. might have all the benefits of PRSI or whatever, but uh, through through their work, but their overall package is much greater. So when you get into the nitty gritty of that individual details, you you do sometimes oh. mm. get unorthodox yeah. arrangements. But certainly this one's. And let's not forget that people pay for it through their license fee. We'll be asking more uh, about uh, the arrangements that were in place and discussing in detail. 
RTE's shady deals later in the programme and if indeed this does make the case to increase uh, the cost of the licence fee and increase uh, the moral salaries that are already being paid to its uh, top presenters later 0419832000 is our telephone number text or WhatsApp 0861800658 email michael at lmfm.ie let's return to the forum on international security if we can Sean, uh, as I say, this uh, Ryan Turbidy story has overshadowed everything, but this is certainly an emotive uh, debate, as we heard at the top of uh, the programme, with protesters there taking on Micheál Martin during his opening uh, address and, of course, the intervention of President Michael D. Higgins. Uh, you heard from the speakers I- invited yesterday. Uh, do you believe that it was a balanced array of speakers? And did you hear anything to make you feel that the world has changed to such an extent that we need to review our security considerations in this country? Well, the balance range of speakers, I think you have people before profit are probably overriding the pudding a small bit, but they're not entirely wrong in that there are quite a lot of speakers with a lot of military experience in this and they may have a certain viewpoint based on the way that they've lived their lives, which may be towards, you know, having a questionable view on uh, neutrality. I didn't hear every speaker yesterday, so I can't speak to all of them uh, as, as to which way they sort of fell down. And then you have other academic experts who are more balanced and down the middle, but yet still study this field. So I think there is maybe some questions uh, to be asked there, uh, even though the protest at the start I think was, was a little bit over the top when it came to disrupting it and sort of shouting, shouting it down I think there are more constructive ways to engage and in fact we've already seen that this morning at the one in Galway where uh, at the very start the, the veteran anti-war uh, campaigner would have been involved in, in got arrested indeed for her involvement in Shannon Margarita Darcy uh, was, went onto the stage at the very start and sat down in one of the chairs and was allowed by the chairperson a, a little chance to say her piece and she basically said she isn't against consultative forums that there should be a citizens' assembly first and that the way that this one is operated is stacked to come to a certain viewpoint. So that's how the Gaul one has started and the Tornish to Hall Martin is now doing an interview on the stage to so we'll see what he has to say and whether he has to update anything. When it comes to actually do we need to have a view or, or to question our view on it, I think yes, probably we do. I don't think as much as our neutrality has served us well throughout history, I don't think it's this sort of thing that shouldn't be questioned at certain times. Now that is very, very different to what it seems to be that some people, in people for profit in particular, think any sort of talk about this means we're joining NATO straight away. I don't think anybody wants that. I don't think if it was put to the Irish people, people would vote for that. But you cannot deny we've been cyber attacked twice as a country already in the last few years. That is more likely to increase as the world moves in that direction. That becomes a vanguard of modern warfare. We also have a situation for the first time in a very, very long time where there is war on the continent of Europe. And while geographically it doesn't affect us, it does affect us in, in many other different ways. So I think there does we do need to ask questions about it. Our neutrality has always been somewhat ambiguous. Uh, ambiguous rather. We you know, sent back yeah, British fighter pilots during World War II and we kept German ones. We are in the situation now where we're military neutral but we're providing aid to one side when it comes to Ukraine and Russia. So we have always had a little bit of constructive ambiguity as they, they might have said in the North about how we operate our neutrality and I think having a look at it now when the world is changing so rapidly when you have the rise of so many far-right leaders in different places across the world and when warfare has changed far beyond being something that is fought by men on a battlefield far away and is something that can reach us with 
without us ever leaving our homes, that's probably a time to ask a few questions and say, are we are we set here for the 21st century? Okay, well, this conversation has started. Our conversation was curtailed somewhat uh, because of uh, the news from Montrose. Uh, but we leave it there for the moment, Sean. Thank you indeed for joining us today. That's our political correspondent, Sean Defoe. Michael Reed on LMFM. Thanks uh, to Rita who phoned us yesterday to tell us what happened to her on Tuesday afternoon. This was around half two on Tuesday. She was driving along Clune Enda near the entrance to the Belfry Estate in Dundalk. A beautiful day and with the good weather she said she was driving with her window down and suddenly out of nowhere several eggs were thrown through the car window. They exploded in her car covering her and the car completely. She had to try to stop as quickly as she could and pull over while she tried to figure out what happened and says she got a terrible fright. She wasn't hurt, thankfully, but she was left very shaken. Several other motorists stopped to help her and one of them who lives in the area told her that there'd been a similar incident the previous afternoon and similar incidents on several other occasions in recent weeks. Rita tells us she noticed three young fellas around 15 or 16 messing around in the area as she drove along and when she was hit by the eggs and forced to pull over she noticed the same three lads laughing and watching. She says she tried to approach them and they made off quickly laughing, putting up their hoodies and making rude gestures. She contacted the guards to alert them as to what happened and she says she went to the station to report it and she made a statement later in the afternoon she was travelling in the same area as she headed home and she saw another motorist there he had to brake suddenly and was forced to get out of his car to remove a large heavy glass bottle that had been placed directly in the path of oncoming traffic Rita says it was a massive obstacle, whatever this bottle was that was left in the road, uh, which could have easily caused a terrible accident if a motorist hadn't seen it in time or got the chance to avoid it. It was deliberately left there to cause an accident, in her opinion. Let's speak to local Sinn Féin councillor Kevin Meenan, who's on the line. Good morning to you, Kevin. Thanks for joining us on the programme this morning. Uh, the summer holidays have begun. Yeah, that's uh, and. And unfortunately, we get incidents like these from, from time to time. Although I haven't heard, if you would have, through the years, you would have heard of the incidents like this, but I haven't heard of anything like this for, for quite a while. It's very shocking. It's serious. Uh, lucky, I'm glad the lady in question was, was okay. Uh, I'm sure she got an awful shock. Mm. But it, it, uh, it could have been an awful lot worse if she had a little lost control of the car or maybe into an on, oncoming car and there was kids involved. Like it's, 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 uh, it's, it's too bad to, to actually even think about but uh, I, I in the meantime I've spoke to some, some people local people as well who are aware of, of such instances and by, who haven't witnessed them themselves but uh, I also spoke to uh, I'm involved with the, the Garda Youth Diversion Project and which would cover that area so I spoke to the, 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 my, my colleague involved in that the, uh, the, the Garda Diversion Project Juvenile Liaison Officer and uh, we're also going to talk to some of the youth workers in area to try and see who it is mm. so we can talk to them and uh, uh, and again probably talk to the parents as well depending on the age as well it, 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 it's shocking and as I say we, we would have had these in the past very, very at various times throughout the, the parish itself where we may have had buses attacked in the past or, but uh, it's quite quite malicious when this, this when they hung around to see doing what had happened like that's mm. it, it, and it's life altering for themselves because 
they don't realise if, if if that had taken a really, really nasty turn, where their lives would have ended up as well. Yeah, well, absolutely. I mean, they're probably too young to uh, stop and even think about it, let alone to realise what the possible consequences are. Uh, Around 15 or 16, Rita says, uh, she said the only reason she contacted us was to warn other motorists uh, if they're in that area because this is obviously the latest crack with these young fellas as we've been hearing uh, they've not done it not just once uh, but several times and she says that when it comes down to it she was actually very lucky because there weren't any cars in front of her or behind her and she could have easily been rear-ended because she had to break suddenly uh, because of the fright and what suddenly became an emergency for a motorist. Yeah, like and you're going along your daily business and you're not expecting all of a sudden to make a sort of life-changing uh, manoeuvre for want of a better word to, to try and avoid a, a major accident and it's good that your show is covering it as well because it'll get, a, it'll get that out there and, and more people will be hopefully looking at for, for young people and may then recognise who's involved in this too and, and, and it may scare the young people off from doing it as well I don't know possibly not but uh, we, we need to sort of find out who's doing this and, and, and talk to them and, yeah. uh, Well you can't have, have three young fellas hold uh, a part of the town to ransom like that no. uh, you can't drive no. down that part of the town No you can't you need that information out there so that so that the guards are where I spoke to the guards to make sure that uh, in, in terms of patrol area to see uh, and also as I say they can link in with the, the community guards that we have here are very good they can link in with the community and, and they may be able to they may have an idea who's involved in this uh, it, it, it's a new one on me for that area as well so I don't know if they're local to that area or they're just coming from somewhere else into that area to do that And uh, but, it, it, but it's, it's very very dangerous and it has to be could not, could, cannot be underestimated and I'm delighted in the sense that there was no mm. accident or major accident as, as a result of this my own sister lives locally herself and she's Three, three young people in the car. She, she could have her daughter in the car going past. I, I know quite, quite a lot of people who live in that area with young kids uh, in, in Belfry and Clenenda. So, as I say, I'm, I'm hoping now that it will emerge who's, who is involved and that the, the guards could actually go and talk to the families and make yeah. them aware just mm. how stupid this is yeah. and how deadly dangerous that it is. There are maybe some of the neighbours... Uh could have a, a word and talk some sense into them. It really is very dangerous. Uh, 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 I know it's only young fellas uh, and they don't realise how dangerous it is and it's hijinks and whatever and they're just looking for uh, something to do. They're bored. They're getting a laugh out of it but uh, it, it's the same point. It's very, very dangerous and it has to stop. Yeah, it has to stop and, and you don't want copycat incidents mm, yeah. on the back of this and other people then doing the same in somewhere else too because if, yeah. if it continues like that it would end up in a, in a tragedy somewhere along the line and, and, and we, we, we really have to try and avert that but I'm hoping that the guards will find out quickly who's involved and nip it in the bud and, and so it doesn't become a trend for the summer Kevin, thank you indeed uh, for no joining you. us this morning that's uh, Sinn Féin Cancer in uh, Dundalk on Loud County Council Kevin Meenan uh, some messages now uh, just a, a couple for the minute uh, we'll get to uh, as many messages as we can throughout the programme uh, and particularly in the second hour when we'll spend some time talking uh, about the €345,000 that Ryan Turbley got from RTE that nobody knew that he had received and RTE told uh, the Oroctus and uh, indeed you who pay the licence fee uh, something completely 
different. Uh, that that money didn't exist, so to speak. Uh, Sean in Dublin 9 says, is Turbidy the only one to have his hands greased by RTA? Anyone who pays a licence fee to listen to this slimy shower should think twice before handing over money to pay for overrated presenters. Thanks, uh, Sean, for that. Uh, let me give you uh, some uh, other thoughts. Uh, we'd Christine in touch as well. She says, now we all know the real ri- reason Ryan Turbridy left the Late Late Show. I'm just disgusted with him and RTE. People struggling to live, to eat, to pay their bills, me included, and then to hear this. It's disgraceful. Shame on them all. Thanks, Christine. I think a lot of people will be thinking of uh, the woman who was in touch uh, with Chris this morning looking for information about food banks uh, and then hearing about shady deals at RTE paying somebody who's already hugely overpaid €345,000 under the table. Anyway, if you want to make comments, as I say, we'll take as many comments as we possibly can after 10 o'clock. Get in touch now. 0419832000, our telephone number. Text or WhatsApp 0861800658. Email michael at lmfm.ie. Michael Reed on LMFM. Now, the Minister of State with special responsibility for farm safety, Martin Hayden, has announced a one and a half million euro fund to help improve safety on farms and joins us on the line. Good morning, Minister, and thank you indeed for joining us on the programme. You're going to contribute to the cost of helmets for farmers who use quad bikes and indeed uh, to help buy power takeoff shaft covers. Uh, yes, Michael, good morning to you and your listeners. Um, I suppose, look, um, when I was first appointed Minister of State um, in back in July 2020, I was the first minister given dedicated responsibility for the area of farm safety. It's an area that crosses over a number of different departments because the Health and Safety Authority is a statutory body uh, who have responsibility for workplace safety and investigating incidents, but also, obviously, Farming is the most dangerous profession in the country. Um, we're making progress and making it less so, but unfortunately it still is by some distance the most dangerous workplace in all of Ireland. And what I have been doing in that time is establishing a unit within my department that has dedicated staff, um, that has a dedicated fund to have targeted interventions that really helps to try and change the culture and raise awareness um, around many of the challenges we face um, in agriculture and to reduce the risk on our farms. If you look at the likes of PTO t- shaft covers, uh, these are, um, you know, implements that are really important. Um, they get damaged in the normal course of work and farmers being busy, sometimes put on the long finger, um, you know, its replacement, their upgrade. And what I'm doing here is trying to pr- create the trigger to make farmers, um, you know, make that decision today rather than putting it off for a month that they're going to uh, replace that defective uh, shaft because everything we're about doing is about trying to minimise and reduce risk on our farms. Right. Um, It makes you wonder, doesn't it, uh, about how responsible farmers are if uh, they need financial incentives uh, to introduce uh, basic safety measures? No, I I think, you know, we probably have Uh, an unhealthy... so I, I, I think we have a, a, maybe a, an unhealthy attitude to risk in agriculture. I, I think that's a fair comment. Um, and I, I think we need to become more aware of it. But mm. we really are talking about a cultural change. And that 
takes um, a number of different measures. I have, uh, we have regulations that come is it into mean, law. Is it meanness then on the part of the, I mean, if a farmer goes out and spends, what, 10 or 15,000 on, on a quad bike and they won't spend uh, somewhere between 30 and 100 euro on a helmet, uh, there's something wrong. So the, the the culture has been that helmets haven't been worn uh, with quad bikes, but we have changed now the law, and from the 20th of November this year, it is mandatory and legally uh, you are obliged to wear a helmet and to undertake safety training courses. Mm. So in some instances here, we'll introduce legislation, we'll bring in laws uh, to make things safer, and in other areas then we're trying to have that cultural shift and that, that change of behaviour, because historically when quads initially came onto farms, they weren't used that much. They're being mm. used much more extensively mm. now. And no more than we look back at hurling matches 15, 20 years ago and think it's absolutely crazy that there was anybody out there without a helmet on their head. Mm. That was the culture of that time. And rules were brought in to make it mandatory. Not everyone liked that. There was a period of adjustment. But now it would be totally unacceptable to see anybody out in a hurling field without a helmet. But do we have same, to buy it for the farmers? I, I mean, what's the problem that they won't just I mean, as you said, it's the law that they just won't go out and buy a, a helmet. It really is only a few quid uh, in comparison to the cost of the quad bike. So it will be the law on the 20th of November. And the point I'm making to you with the hurling analogy is that farmers have been used to having, those who have quads have been used to having them, not having had to wear a helmet. And this is a change. Mm. And change is, doesn't come easy to people. So uh, what I'm trying to do is use the resources available there to raise awareness and by having this campaign alone we have this conversation on your show and on mm. our shows mm. where farmers become aware that this is becoming the law that in itself is mm. a help um, and then also the fact that there is this incentive that trigger yeah. it's, it's not that farmers don't don't want to be safe but you know they're very busy it's harvest time we're mm. in between silage there's a million jobs to be done in the farm and they do tend to say I'll mm. do that next week I'll do that later and what I'm trying to do is encourage here that trigger yeah. Uh, okay, we, no, uh, 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 and it's very well intentioned uh, and in, I suppose, the overall scheme of things, it's a relatively small amount of money, but it is hard to believe that farmers won't spend a few quid uh, for whatever the reason, whether it's meanness or ignorance or stubbornness or whatever it is. I mean, it's the same with the PTO shaft covers. They don't cost very much either, do they? That is the thing. You're not talking huge money here um, in terms of the individual measures. But it's, it's farmers recognising, look, let's be honest, and, you know, next Sunday I will go to the Embrace uh, Charity uh, Annual Remembrance Service uh, where victims, uh, families of people who have lost their lives and have been seriously injured um, in farm safety incidents um, takes place, a, a very moving memorial every year. And the one thing that unites all those families is none of them ever thought it would happen to them. And there is an element of that with farmers. We're busy. We, we get about our work and we always think these are things that will happen to somebody else. So, therefore, that is a challenge for us. And this is about a cultural change and changing that attitude to risk. We're making really big progress. You know, like there, when I grew up on my farm in Kildare 40 years ago, um, there was a very different attitude to risk than there is now. Mm. I would have been the one feeding with my uncle to get up on top of the load of bales, mm. travelling back along the road. If any farmer was seen to do that with children on top now, it'd be locked up. Um, I, so, hope so. you know, I hope so. <laughs> we, we, we are making that change. Yeah, and through okay. the Safe Schools programme um, in, in, in schools, we actually have a situation now where we're encouraging children to learn more about risk and that they're actually pulling up the farmer uh, in the scenario to say, mm. that's not, Daddy, Mammy, that's not safe. Why are we doing this? Uh, or Granny and Granddad, as the case mm. may be. Um, and, you know, it's a multi-pronged approach here. It's not just about the grants. There's, there's carrot yeah. and stick. 
All right, uh, Minister, thanks for that. While you're with us, uh, can I ask you about the story that's overshadowing everything else today? I think the country is in a state of disbelief at, at what we're learning overnight about this €345,000 that was paid to Ryan Turbidy that nobody was aware of, it seems. Yeah, it's it's pretty shocking, to be honest. Um, to be dead honest with you, that something like this could come to light, that uh, a body of the state would use state funds. Um, and really what I want to know here, you know, obviously Minister Catherine Martin has called in the, the chair of RTE and there'll be a meeting with her and her officials uh, next Monday on this and she wants a full explanation of what was known when and... Um, how this was let happen but this is something that happened over the course of a couple of years and people knew it and people concealed it um, and to me this is public money this is taxpayers money um, and I have an impression was being given that when Tuberty was taking a big pay cut and that now appears not to have been the case um, and when I think in the context of my 12 years as a TD any engagement we had with RTE and their office was always uh, with the request for more money that they couldn't survive that they were to the pin of their collar. Um, and I would regularly be dealing with local radio stations the length of breadth of the country uh, who I felt were doing a remarkable public service uh, with no such support and used to wonder. I wasn't getting a sense from RT at that time that there was any big commitment to reform or to change. It was just they were looking for more money. Um, and that backs this up to me now. So I think this is a watershed moment um, where I want to see really significant change in terms of um, we need to learn the lessons from this. Um, we need to know who knew what and when. Um, and how this was let happen. Uh, but um, much more than that, I want to see a complete change of attitude in terms of respect for, for use of public money. Mm. Yeah, and does that include reviewing what is paid to presenters? I think Joe Biden probably would have been envious of what Ryan Turbidy was earning. That's before we learned about this €345,000. Yeah, look, you know, the argument has always been put forward by um, uh, the, by RTE that they're competing with BBC and others and that they hold on, to, that they pay the best for the best talent. Um, but the figures have been eye-watering. Um, mm. You know, uh, top presenters in RTE being paid well in excess of the teaching of the country is, is a barometer that I'm uncomfortable with uh, because, you know, you have to think that should be a marker that... Uh, there are much bigger jobs than that in the country than leading it. Um, yes, there's that sense of uh, some people feel they're worth yeah. far more. And um, uh, and, it, and these very highly paid presenters then taking on the Taoiseach uh, or, or other government ministers or uh, politicians of any sort uh, saying, uh, where's your conscience? Uh, how can you leave people in deprivation? Yeah. Yeah, look, that, that, that happens. Um, and as a politician, you're asked these questions and it's maybe coming from a slant that uh, is definitely on the high moral ground. But, um, and, you know, like, it, it, it can be uh, a little bit difficult to uh, take on board. But mm. at least, you know, you presumed that the money that was being published, albeit years later, uh, after the fact, you presumed that that was accurate. Um, but the fact that can think in any semi-state body that they can flagrantly misrepresent the use of taxpayers' money or just not be truthful about it is completely unacceptable. That is just not how the state operates. Taxpayers work really hard um, through all their different means to generate the income for the state for us to run it. We are trusted as a government to make sure that, that money is spent appropriately. So when we allocate money 
275 bodies we expected to be properly accounted for. And this shows a culture um, that doesn't respect that, that really doesn't respect that. Any decision I make, you may argue with me whether Mm. I'm using my budget in the Department of Agriculture appropriately in terms of incentivising farmers to make farm safety improvements. I believe I'm doing the right thing. You might question that, but we're having an open and honest conversation about it. But I have huge regard for the fact that the money at my disposal in my budget has been generated by the workers of this country, by the businesses and the small businesses of this country. And I would never spend uh, a, a, a euro of that money on anything other than I think the public good. And okay. to see a 78 body treatment so differently and callously uh, and not thinking they needed to account for that is completely unacceptable to me and the government. Thanks very much, Minister, for joining us on the programme today. That is Martin Hayden, a Minister of State with a special responsibility for farm safety. Michael, Michael Reed on, on LMFM. Now, there are grave concerns about girls who are in state care being groomed and sexually exploited uh, by organised gangs of older men. Uh, this is according uh, to the researchers at uh, the Ex- Sexual Exploitation Research Project at UCD. Uh, they've just published uh, the Protecting Against Predators survey, uh, which was taken between February and May of last year and has raised many reasons to be concerned for these young girls, as I'm sure you've been hearing over the last 24 hours. Let's speak to Tanya Ward, who's CEO of uh, the Children's Rights Alliance. A very good morning to you, Tanya, and thank you indeed for joining us. Uh, Most children in this country who are in care are probably in foster homes. I think that uh, amounts to more than 5,500 children, but there's 400 children who are particularly vulnerable, uh, which this report relates to, and they would be in group care. Uh, that's right. I suppose. I mean, the the, the what's, what's very fortunate, to be honest, and the best outcomes uh, when children are in the care system are, are when they're with foster parents. To be honest, because they're being looked after and cared for either by one parent or a second parent. But we've, I suppose, situations where some children are in care homes um, for different reasons. So it might be they came into the care system late in life, or it could be that. They were in a foster care arrangement and, and it's broken down. And th- there is deep concern that some of these children and some of them might have been abused and neglected, you know, in, in, in their home. Um, there would be some children that are in the care system simply because their parents can't look after them. They might have a mental health issue or an addiction issue. But some children have already been neglected and abused. And I suppose what this report is doing is the researchers spoke to people that work with children within the care system just to understand, you know, what is happening when it comes to sexual exploitation? How prevalent is it? And what they found was is that, yes, when they talked to people, they, they said there, there certainly were situations where they thought maybe some children were being exploited. I know what the, the media has zoned in on, I suppose, is the organised crime gangs that might be involved in this. And I, I find it deeply disturbing, to be honest, because I know when it comes to adult prostitution, that a recent study showed that one in four um, people in prostitution, they actually had been abused as a child. So the, there is often a focus on young people in the care system by by people, criminal gangs involved in, in prostitution. So it's deeply concerning to hear that it happens. Um, and, and your concern, I take it, is uh, that what is happening to these young girls is the first step towards a life of prostitution. Yeah, yeah. Not only being abused and used, 
and exploited as a child, it then goes on. It's a, it's a lifetime of abuse um, and damage, you know, huge levels of yeah. uh, damage to that person la- later in life. I think one of the, the, the issues is sometimes when young people's lives are very chaotic and what I think Tusa has picked up on and, and everyone's picked up on is the fact that sometimes the, the residential arrangements could be stronger. So, you know, they, Tusa is really struggling at the moment to find uh, residential arrangements. Like we're living in a housing crisis yeah. and it's affecting all the big national public bodies, including Tusa. Yeah. But it does mean, actually, if you're in, you know, a hotel temporarily, because Tusa is trying to find you somewhere else, um, it can happen that you could be exposed, you know, uh, to a criminal gang. What happens? What happens in a situation like that? Uh, are, are the children supervised? Uh, are, are there rules? This is what I couldn't understand. Yeah, listening, they, I they, mean, I heard. Sorry, Tanya, but I heard um, that one of the girls was twelve, uh, and I mean, the idea of a twelve-year-old going off with a, a man, um, a much older man, uh, in a, a car uh, and not returning home at night uh, is beyond belief. I mean, if that was happening. Uh, under the roof of her parents, you'd be saying that child should be put into care. Yeah, I mean the the, the uh, one of the first step I think Tus will have to do is because I I know they've about thirty two cases that they've investigated in this space is to make sure that they absolutely know that there's no child left in the system where they're exposed. And I think that particular case is is very concerning. I think we need to find how did that happen uh, because when they do use placements often there's a social care worker on site and the other thing though that came up to me in the research that I thought was very concerning was that some of the organisations that they spoke to they didn't always contact TUSA when something like this was happening so they noticed let's say a teenager leaving going off with some, with a man there might have been an assumption it was a boyfriend mm. but maybe when you look behind that was it was it a boyfriend and they hadn't actually contacted TUSA to tell them there's yeah. something here there's a situation Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. ...here that I think maybe this child is being exploited. So... There's a bigger but question. But that, 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 uh, yeah. uh, that means there are no rules. 
I mean, if regardless of what the perception is, it's a boyfriend or somebody they know or they're going off uh, to get an ice cream or whatever it is, regardless of what people think, there's obviously no rules. You can go out at night and not come back. Well, you see, there are rules in place, right? <laughs> this is it. There are rules. Yeah. So, well, that's what I was I was surprised about, you know, when I saw there were situations that perhaps people working in the care system, and this wouldn't be too so directly, they might be working in a service supporting children in care where they may not have contacted TUSA, but didn't quite realise that this is a child protection issue, um, a child exploitation issue. So there's obviously work like the government needs to do, making sure everyone is trained up mm. to identify it. And, you know, there should never, like, there should never be any doubt about contacting the Gardaí and TUSA mm. if you think a child is being taken off by an adult and mm. you think there's any question around exploitation. Yeah. I, I, I agree with you. I mean, it's... It, uh, it, 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 yeah, I, I think it's even more serious than that. Uh, I think that somebody should be saying uh, you have to come home at night, even if you're going off with four other girls, uh, uh, four other teenagers. Uh, you just... I mean, parents shouldn't allow their children to do that. Uh, and if parents uh, are failing their children, the children are put into care so that they're protected from that sort of stuff. These are children in care who go out all night and don't come home again. Uh, And it's not that they're off with teenage friends, they're off with men. Uh, And indeed, uh, in one circumstance, uh, the researchers are talking about a ring who are targeting a a group of girls in one residential centre. Yeah. And, like, it it, it doesn't surprise me that you would get criminal gangs who would target... Uh, children in care because they know they're vulnerable um, and they you know particularly if they're in a residential centre so there's a real need like if you take that particular case I mean that absolutely has to be gotten to the bottom of because those young people need to be moved anyway if there's any evidence at all of criminal gangs operating in and around the care system you need special investigations to make sure and you need to disrupt it and they need, there needs to be investigations and, and, and prosecutions. There's no doubt about that. OK, we have to leave it there, Tanya. Thank you, though, for joining us on the programme this morning, as always. Tanya Ward, the CEO of the Children's Rights Alliance. Now, let me bring you some of uh, the comments coming to us. Uh, a lot of comments coming uh, about Ryan Turbridge. Uh, we know, uh, just to mention, we know um, that, uh, or we've discovered, or, or RTE discovered, much to RTE's surprise or the surprise of the board of RTE, uh, that €345,000 was paid to Ryan Turbidy that hadn't been declared previously. Uh, a number of people asking uh, if tax was paid on it and what role revenue will have in all of this. We assume uh, that uh, Ryan Turbidy has paid all of uh, the taxes uh, due. So uh, we'll just leave those comments to one side, uh, I think, uh, for today. Uh, Margaret in touch saying, me and Hall Martin spoke about free speech uh, just in a lot of comments coming on different topics, uh, but this is in regard to the debate over NATO. And she says, I agree with him that people have a right to voice their opinion, but will free speech still exist if the new hate speech law is passed? No one is talking about this new law that's going through the doll with the approval of all I've read. Why is there no debate with the public on this? It's a law, if passed, that could affect any of us and maybe even stop people airing their views in a programme like yours for fear of being accused of hate speech for voicing their opinion. Uh, I have heard some talk uh, uh, along those lines. All right, Margaret, uh, I don't 
particularly subscribe to it. Um, I'm sorry. Um, Ellen, uh, thank you. She says, Michael, the corruption in this country is frightening. RTE, our politicians, everyone getting away with it. People certainly won't pay for a licence now. It's all repeats anyway. I suppose we'll be watching Ryan Turbidy on the telly for years on repeats of Reeling in the Years, Ellen. Um, we'd uh, another WhatsApp message, this one from Patricia, uh, who says um, that... Uh, I'm actually, I'm not going to read Patricia's uh, comment just yet. I'll come back to that later on. Thank you, uh, Patricia. Apologies. Uh, I did see that you wanted to stay uh, anonymous. Uh, Pat and Tully Allen says, all farmers are privileged people who wouldn't have a, a pot to wee into if it wasn't for the land that they inherited. Why give them any airtime? Uh, well, we were speaking to the minister who is going to give them money uh, to help them buy helmets, uh, which cost a few quid uh, to wear them when they're riding the quad bikes. That costs thousands. Um, we've somebody uh, else saying start educating children in school about farm safety. Uh, they are our future. Um, we'd uh, another text about Ryan Tubbity saying this is the world we live in, Michael. Ryan Tubbs done what 99% of people do if you have someone daft enough to pay you that sort of money you will say no not a chance you'll say thanks very much RTE is a dinosaur completely out of touch with reality the salaries of their so-called top people is crazy to be paid more than the people who are in top positions in the world it's hard to comprehend given the way people are trying just to survive at the moment uh, another WhatsApp message from somebody who says Michael why can't they re-wet the Borden Amona Mogs if uh, they're not using those bogs instead of farmer's land I think that's the intention Tom and Dundalk says um, may I ask does the paymaster in RTE not have a name or is it like the banks the government the HSE etc all remain nameless typical of what goes on in Ireland a no name club we talk for ages about issues but seldom name who creates them thanks uh, Tom and Dundalk for that Deirdre and Kel says dreadful what happened to Rita those boys throwing eggs at her car uh, and uh, she was very lucky this crap has to stop and she says uh, why we know now why Ryan Turbidy left the Late Late Show on RTE it's not right that people are being paid such huge amounts of money you have people who are hungry uh, in this country it's a dreadful situation thank you indeed our phone number 0419832000 text or whatsapp 0861800658 email michael at lmfm.ie Michael, Michael Reed on LMFM. I was a, a bit groggy getting up uh, this morning uh, and uh, I was deciding what will I wear to work uh, and then I saw my trainers and that cheered me up and dusted off the cobweb straight away. Yes, I put on my Nodwing trainers. They're white, they're light, they're bright and they're full of might. You'd love a pair of my Nodwink trainers. Uh, sorry for the slight interruption. Uh, I have to say that 10 times over the course of uh, the next six months, I get €7,500 every time I mention it, uh, and that's €75,000 at the end of the year. Um, it's a sponsorship thing. That's just what goes on in broadcasting, apparently, allegedly. I'd love to tell you I'm joking, uh, but uh, there was a, a remarkable deal done with Ryan Turbidy with a sponsor who uh, was to pay part of his salary 75,000 a year and then they pulled out RTE said sure we'll play it because they'd 
uh, guaranteed it. Uh, and then there was 120,000. They spent 80,000 euro paying him 120,000 euro, apparently. Uh, 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 and that's on top of uh, the overall figure of 345,000 euro. Shane Castles, Senator Shane Castles, is Fianna Fáil spokesperson on media. What do you make of all of this? Uh, good morning, Michael. Um, so I, I can take it from that now. We'll, we'll see you at the sports stores in Nap and do an appearance now as a, as a side in, in, uh, for that as well. <laughs> it's unreal, Michael. It's unreal. Uh, you mentioned the word surprise before the break and that, you know, RT was surprised. And then the real humdinger. And actually, I was, I was sitting here at my desk yesterday when uh, Ryan Tuberty's statement was read out on air on, on, on drive time and that he was surprised. Oh, God. I mean, you know, I'm sorry, but that, that was really now a bit rich. I know. I think I, he is so, he's paid so highly, like 75,000 or 345. He wouldn't even notice it. I'm not sure he'd get up in the morning for that sort of money. This is a star. Yeah, yeah. And, and this goes to the heart of the problem. This goes to the whole issue of, of, of credibility of the organisation. Do you know what really peeves me is because I know a lot of of good journalists who work in RT, most, and most journalists in RT work in the background. They're mm. researchers. They work on shows like your show, on, on producing shows. They wouldn't be on the colour of the additional payments that the man got, let alone the basic salary. And what's really annoying is what was put into the public domain to give the public the perception that over a five-year period that there was an actual 11% cut to the basic pay of this top star earner in the country. That, was, fact, that, that was a lie. Yeah, of course it was, because it was published in 2017 that he was earning a pay of nearly €492,000, and that by the end of the five-year five year period, it had been reduced to 440000 when in fact he was at 515 and had actually topped out at 545 during that interim period. He was on more money at the end than he had been at the beginning. Mm. Now that is really goes to the heart of credibility. And we've also had a scenario where the new uh, chair of the uh, RT board, Shuna Rahlig, had actually been before us just there a couple of months ago. And they would have been aware that this, that this had been triggered because the internal audit uh, found this, came across this in March. Mm. Uh, and you know, they have been coming before us and saying that they need reform, they need examination, they need you know, funding. Uh, in fact, we, we had a scenario where RTE came in along with Virgin Media, came in with local radio, uh, and they argued their case yeah. alongside TG Carher, Virgin, radio stations, we need, we're special and we need to be treated differently. Yeah, well, um, uh, there's no doubt the licence, uh, television licence is far too cheap. Um, I think we should at least double it uh, so that uh, deals can be made uh, that are, are transparent and we don't need this under the table stuff. Yeah, well, you see, the, the issue here, and it's, it's going to be an interesting one if this gets teased out, because as I said, um, if this is not going to be a, a, a one-day wonder, this is going to be a TV series in itself, because the examination of this, and my mind was thrown back to when I was working on the examination of the, the checkbooks in the Garda Training College in Temple Moor that started off at one or two, and by God, by the end of it, there was as many checkbooks uh, floating around. I, I think it's going to be a, a, a deep delve into the situation that's at play here. Uh, and the biggest thing was, why weren't they transparent? It's not the issue here. There's a commercial arm to RTE. They could have negotiated deals, but they should have been transparent about that. The yeah. fact that they tried to hide it is what's at play here. Why were, why were RTE, as the state broadcasters, the national state broadcaster, underwriting commercial deals for one of their stars to begin with? 
that needs to be answered. Why were they actually involved in the sphere? Ryan Tuberty isn't actually an employee of RT. He's, he's effectively an independent company. And how, paid how, a, how, a, can a a, how can a commercial company pay part of a, an RTE employee's salary? That compromise, well, that compromise, I mean, it's a basic rule right, of journalism. Yeah, that compr- a, a, that yeah, compromises the journal. I, I mean, I was being facetious, but I was being very serious talking about me nod wing traders. Do you want to hear the lines again? White, light, bright, full of bright. Mm-hmm. Yeah, buy yourself well, a I mean, pair, you'd love them. I, I, I mean, I suppose this is the question as well, though, Michael. Yeah. I mean, media, in this, in, in, for, you know, unfortunately, um, has to pay for itself as well. I mean, your show is, is sponsored RT or LMFM receive advertisements. Mm. No one is saying that because of that, that your impartiality is questioned. So we are into the whole sphere of how media is funded. I mean, that's the very body of work that we're actually literally working on at the moment and why RT are coming before us saying they need more money. But I mean, when you have a situation where they're not transparent yeah. about where they're receiving their funds, that's the issue. And who in RTE was negotiating those deals and standing over it and then consequently not publishing that money into the public domain. Because how broad is that practice? We now have a new host of the Late Late Show. What was the negotiating team for that to, to come to uh, a deal for the new host? I mean, that's going to have to be put out into the public domain. I know that Grant Thornton are actually doing a review independent for RTE. Now, they said there's no more deals. There's no more secret deals. This is it. There's no more. And they've asked Grant Thornton to do an analysis of this. But, I mean, at this moment in time, I think the country this morning, you walk down the streets of Drogheda, Nav and anywhere, people are, are, are angry at the fact that such huge swathes of money are paid first in the first instance, in, uh, to, uh, to a star, and secondly, that there was pop-ups on top of that. And it goes to the whole issue mm. of transparency and accountancy practices within RTE. Yeah. You cannot have a situation of them coming in, looking mm. for more money, if this is the way they're carrying on with their Yeah, business. and sure, all the millions are, are, are moaning with all of uh, the things going on in the world, uh, and everybody's taking a, a pay cut, so you better be seen to take a, a pay cut. So we let on you're taking a pay cut, but mm. we'll give you a few more Few bob, a few thousand, three hundred and forty-five thousand on a nod and a wink. Uh, what did you say he was earning? Ryan Turbley was earning three five hundred and forty-five thousand in a year, was it? At, 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 at peak times back in two thousand and nine, two thousand and eighteen, and two thousand and nineteen, they were being declared at four hundred and ninety-five, but the real total was actually five hundred and forty-five thousand euros. Right, and that's about two and a half times what the Taoiseach would earn. Yeah, I mean, and, and for it, people it, it, to put multiples of times what an ordinary person is is earning, and it is just yeah. I well, mean, divide, 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 divide it by ten, for example, uh, and you you get fifty four thousand. Uh, and I think a lot of people would think fifty four thousand is a very good salary, uh, but you would have to work ten years to get what Ryan Turbody earned in a year. Is he Absolutely. worth it? Uh, I mean, that's what we're deciding to do. Uh, there's no doubt about that, that we have decided we accept that uh, and we go and pay our television licence fee to fund it. Yeah. I mean, look, at the RTE commercial people will come in and they'll argue that, well, they're able to, because he attracts whatever it is, many hundred thousand viewers on a Friday night and every morning, that they're able to then sell advertising during those slots for X amount. And that's, what, that's, that's how they will argue that. 
my point is and we, do we believe them do we believe them I mean this is this is the point of course they're arguing but do we believe them well I mean that's the more than in terms of you know uh, any presenter any uh, anybody going into the media for listenership figures mm. or viewership figures are and the same pre- the same presenters going on air then talking about the poor little children and they've no food and all the terrible all the terrible things in the world why doesn't the government do something about it yeah uh, and home to their mansion um, and, and, and their and big cars the and their big uh, expense bills oh god I don't know yeah. But I mean, that's what I said. There's a lot of ordinary, hard-working journalists within RTE who wouldn't mean their colour. You can, div- as you said, divide by ten, and it mightn't even be on that. Who are putting in the slog, who are doing the work, who are producing news, sports, and current affairs uh, programs that are, you know, standout mm. pieces of work for RTE, and they are really peaked yeah. this morning because the credibility of the organisation that they work for is being rubbish because of the side deals of pay for one star. And that's who I feel sorry for this morning because it's going to have an impact on RTE mm. long term as well because when other companies are coming in looking for state funding they're saying, really lads, really, well, you're giving these guys money and this is what this is money is going towards. I, I think this is going to play out not just over today, not just over mm. next week, but indeed right into next year when this when this review into the licence fee and funding of RTE is going to come to a conclusion. Okay, you call him a, a star... Um, it's the first time I've thought about Ryan Doherty in years I have to say uh, wouldn't certainly uh, be uh, on my radar uh, uh, until this scandal thank you indeed for joining us on the programme today Finnefall Senator Shane Castles is his party spokesperson on media Michael, Michael Reed, Reed on, on LMFM. Yeah, we were talk, talking about those boys, uh, bigger pardon, we were talking about those boys earlier on uh, throwing eggs at uh, cars in Dundalk. A, a text from someone who says uh, they saw four lads on bicycles flying through Meadow Grove last night with egg cartons in their hands. Up to no good, our caller reckons. Thank you indeed. Uh, somebody texting us asking if uh, the government has handed back their new pay rise. Uh, well, there's no secrets uh, about what the government are being paid. Uh, you can argue all day about whether it's too much or too little, but there's no secret about it. There was a big secret about €345,000 being paid by RTE to one individual, which is uh, the reason this is a scandal. Uh, somebody else asking about uh, the woman looking for food banks uh, when she contacted Chris earlier on this morning, uh, wondering why when she's getting money from the state and if you manage your money properly, you should not be hungry, uh, says Mary. I, I think uh, quite a, a lot of people would disagree with that. Uh, and that uh, by that, I, I mean those who are working on the front line who say that uh, people are being paid well below uh, what's needed to live with decency in this country uh, through welfare payments and it certainly uh, is interesting to compare it to the €345,000 on top of the already um, immoral money that is being paid uh, to the highest paid presenter in RTE uh, who wasn't at work this morning for whatever reason. Uh, Baz texted us about that and asked, was Turbity endorsing a, a product for that €75,000? Uh, was it a, an ad? Um, uh, or, or, or what was it? I don't know, Baz. It was really unusual that a sponsor would pay €75,000 to a presenter as part of his salary. Uh, they pulled out after a year. Uh, that came as a surprise, no doubt, to the presenter and to RTE, and then RTE had to cough up the €75,000, but they didn't tell anybody. 
Paddy Dovey uh, says, does anyone out there think for an instant that these shenanigans only apply to Turbridge? Um, I don't know. Let other people answer that. Paddy, thanks uh, for your text. As always, 0419832000 text or WhatsApp 0861800658. Email michael at lmfm.ie. Imelda Monster is Sinn Féin's spokesperson on media and joins us now. And a very good morning to you. What do you make of all of this? Uh, it's it's shocking beyond belief. I mean, it's the most sneaky, underhand deal that was orchestrated um, to deliberately conceal it from the public, from the Oireachtas, from the Public Accounts Committee. And there's no doubt it goes to the very top or close to the very top of management in RTE. And they've completely lost the, tr- the trust of the public. And as my colleague um, uh, it, on PAC, the chair of PAC, has said, it was fraudulent accounting. You know, accountancy, when you deliberately seek to conceal funding. Mm. And there's quite serious questions to be asked. Who initiated the deal? Who signed off on it? Who else knew about it? How did it not come to light for almost six years? And who also knew that RTE, and this is the most, one of the most important things, RTE had signed off on erroneous figures, publishing the top stars', stars salaries, knowing that they were incorrect. Yeah. Knowing that they were false. Yeah. And, you know, deliberately concealing. Yeah, that's secret. that's called lying, isn't it? it it's absolutely lying. It's mm. absolutely lying. And you listen to the I was listening to the unions last night, like an RTE come before the, the, the media committee which which I'm on, the public accounts committee which which I'm on also and they're consistently um crying poverty about the precarious financial situation they're in, they're looking for reform and how the T V license is collected or an increase in it. They're saying they're facing redundancies and staff cuts and unions had been negotiating mm. on behalf of the workers. The workers that I'm talking about are on modest salaries, you mm. know. And, and took and, pay cuts. And having to take pay cuts mm. and took them. And all the while, RTE coming into the, the, the committees saying one thing public, publicly about their funding crisis and yet doing secret deals for their top star. Yeah, what about, that, not, co- what about that coming from Baz uh, uh, about a sponsor paying... €75,000 as part of a presenter's salary. That seems very questionable. Well, yeah. I mean, it's, they say that they're free to, to, you know, the likes of the RTE's top stars because of their their contracts or whatever. They're, they're free to make an ag- agreement or an arrangement with a commercial partner. You know, that, that that's up to them about public appearances and whatever. But the question is, why did RTE management get involved and why did they underwrite a, a separate deal? And why did they try to conceal that deal? And why were they so flippant with public money? I mean, he's our top earner. He was on four hundred. I don't understand how a, a commercial body that is completely separate to the state broadcaster can pay salaries of presenters. Uh, I, I think it would ask very serious questions uh, about the presentation of the presenters and... I think you'd need to look back uh, over uh, time to see what was said about that company by the presenter, if anything was said about the company by the presenter. Mm -hmm. But therein lies the risk, even if it didn't happen. Yes, yeah, yeah. It should have been a completely separate commercial deal altogether. RTE should have been nowhere near that. Nowhere near, and certainly not underwriting 
that deal. Mm. So that we, the, the public purse had to fork out for it. There's, look, there's so many questions here. And, you know, I remember when RTE were in, and I'll give you an example, but there's a, there's a rotten culture. Um, last year, RTE were forced to make a settlement of 1.2 million to, to revenue for unpaid employer employee PRSI. And they're actually now under investigation by the Department of Social Protection for the bogus self-employment of over 100 workers. And another issue, and I only raised this with the department yesterday, is there's a serious issue of blatant pay disparity um, amongst Irish language workers working for Radio Nagelsakta who are paid less than the workers paid you know, that work mm. through the English language. And I had that out with the Director General, D. Forbes. And, I mean, to say dismissive of it mm. is an understatement. Well, I, you know, I, I think you can make arguments there about audience size. employment thing, totally dismissive of it. Mm. And they were forced, you know, it was revenue that caught up, with, caught up with them then, and now they're under investigation. But they're carrying out well, a that, review that, the whole, that whole self-employment thing is... Mm. I don't know. Uh, there were, there, I remember back in the 90s, Revenue uh, came to local radio stations and said, that has to stop. You have, peop- you have people working for you full-time who are claiming to be self-employed. Uh, who, who are you cutting? Uh, um, uh, we want them to go on your books. We want them to pay their taxes. We want you to pay the taxes uh, and PRSI contributions uh, and all the rest as you're obliged to pay as their employer because you are their employer because they work for you full time. You have people working for RTE who are working there full time and apparently they're standalone companies self-employed. But they allowed all that. But they revenue, allowed revenue allowed it. Uh, re- re- revenue allowed it uh, and stopped it on local radio. Yes, yeah, but it was a whistleblower that brought this to light. And I remember D Forbes taking great exception every time myself or someone else would make reference to bogus self-employment that, the, that they'd been RTE as a public broadcaster funded by the public purse had been involved in, you know, and it amounted to over 100 workers. But that's what I'm saying. There was a rotten culture at the very, very top of RTE. Now, Dee Forbes, for all the time she's been before the various committees, had plenty of opportunity to declare this latest scandal and never, ever took the opportunity. And she needs to make herself available because she's still on the payroll until mm. the 10th of July. Yeah. And I noticed a statement from RTE saying that she wouldn't be making herself available. Well, I would ask myself, well, why would you not make yourself available? Mm. If you weren't aware of this, you'd want to come out and say that this... This, um, yeah, but I mean, it's, a, it's, totally it's, wrong it's the 23rd of June. Um, was this audit not given to the board of RTE in March? There's talk that, that, that that's happened, that it was given yeah. to them in, it, so where, 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 their attention. Where, why wasn't it made public then? Uh, and uh, did the board speak to D I Forbes? And what did D Forbes have to say about it? Uh, and why can't the board explain to people what she had to say about it? Well, that, that's the thing. She's on leave at the minute and is not making herself available. But they were saying that last year, when the audit picked up on it, they passed it on to the um, Audit and Risk Committee within RTE. And then Grant Thornton was asked to establish the facts. And then the report was given, I think, last Friday. The, the actual committee received the report and brought it to the attention of the RTE board. But the RTE board and the new um, chair... Sunni Raleigh, she's only new there, she's only appointed several months. Um, but Dee Forbes 
was at the, you know, had, was director general. She was at the very, very top. And it speaks volumes if she doesn't make herself available to come in and explain this. Um, I mean, it, it leaves much more serious questions. Mm. If she doesn't make herself available, you know, why is she hiding from it? Mm. But it's the accountability, the lack of trust and accountability and credibility has gone down the chute. Mm. It's, uh, I, I, I don't know. Um, I think people are very taken aback by it. Um, it's kind of rocked people's worlds. Well, a lot of people, I mean, if people say different things about RTE, but a lot of people have always trusted RTE. And, you know, they, they go to RTE, mm. particularly during COVID and that sort of thing. The main news bulletins at six o'clock or whatever. But to know that, I find out now that all of this was going on behind the scenes um, and that sort of lack of transparency going on and fraudulent accountancy. I mean, that, that's, it's fraud. It's fraud, and it's fraud with the public money. Well, RTA says there's no evidence of fraud, um, and there's no doubt. There's no doubt that um, what was being paid was not disclosed. Yeah, if you deliberately conceal, you know, accounts. Yeah. If you deliberately I, I, I think, to hide money and misrepresent accounts. I think at the moment we. I think, I think we. Uh, at the moment would have to say it's very hard to understand why the money was not disclosed but we don't know why it, it wasn't disclosed but it wasn't disclosed and that or, disclosed. and that RTE say it, it wasn't fraud that there's no evidence of fraud well you see they knew every year when they published the, the their figures they knew that that this was happening and so they did, didn't so, they so, hid so, them so, so they so, concealed so, it so did Ryan Turbidy well, you have to ask the question. I mean, he would have known that the commercial partner pulled out after the first year and he knew he was still getting paid. He knew there was money going into his account and mm. it wasn't up and tapney. So, you know, there's there's just, mm. as I said, there's a rotten culture mm. and it, it, it has to change and they need to make themselves available and everybody, and I, I would go further and say that those who are found responsible for concealing payments and deliberately publishing figures that were incorrect in the knowledge that they were incorrect need to be sacked because that's the only way that people can have accountability or expect accountability and have trust and transparency. Mm. And when RTE comes crying poverty with all of with this and with them owing, uh, having to pay you know, a settlement to revenue and under investigation by the Department of Social Protection for bogus self-employment and the issue of blatant pay disparity and the gender pay gap. I mean, people will have little sympathy for them. Mm. Very little sympathy. I think so. I think uh, people should have uh, sympathy for the hard-working people in RTE. Um, uh, I, I mean, the workers, the workers I, yeah, are disgusted yeah, this morning. Yeah, Can you yeah, imagine? Yeah, you know, yeah. they're, they're absolutely disgusted. Yeah. You have the you have the the ordinary journalists, the researchers, mm. the cameramen who are salaries mm. just oh, wouldn't even yeah, you know, and yeah. um, the average modest salary. Mm. And this has all been going on, and they've been the ones to to uh, take the cuts. And I heard the the union rep say last night that they, when they were in in negotiations with RTE, the RTE showed them some of the books, mm. but didn't show them all the books. And clearly now we know why. Yeah, OK. Well, uh, it seems as though a can of worms has been opened. We'll see what else comes and, out. And thank you for joining us this morning. Thank you.
Thank you. That's uh, Sinn Féin's spokesperson on media, Imelda Munster, who's a TD for Loud and Smith. Michael Reed on LMFM. Now, the vast majority of women believe uh, that menstrual health affects uh, their working life and uh, there needs to be an awareness and educational campaign for employers to put supports in place for women who uh, are employed by them. Let's uh, speak now uh, to Mandy Lacombe, uh, Senior Industrial Relations Officer with uh, the Financial Services Union, that's the FSU, which carried out a a survey on this. There was over a thousand respondents, the vast majority of them were women. Good morning to you, Mandy, and thanks for joining us on the programme to talk about what has traditionally not been spoken about. Good morning, Michael. Thanks for having me. Okay, you're very welcome. Uh, I suppose uh, it's no surprise uh, that women are uh, very familiar with uh, the problems uh, associated with working when they're going through their menstrual cycle. Are, are you surprised that their employers are not? Well, I suppose just a bit of background, Michael, on this. Um, during the month of March this year to mark International Women's Day, the Financial Services Union launched a workplace survey throughout our sector. So our sector would be the finance sector and the tech sector, just on how menstrual health impacts working women. Um, we, obviously, we know that historically it's largely been ignored in the workplace, and that would be kind of due to social taboos and gender stereotyping and how uh, menstruation in general has been stigmatised in society, which spills over into the workplace. But there are several specific medical conditions associated with periods that are impacting working women because they have extremely debilitating side effects. And some of them would be things like endometriosis and PCOS. And one in 10 women um, currently in the Republic of Ireland suffer from endometriosis. Our union is actually um, 67% female membership. And we also have a women's network in our union of activists. And we had previously done a huge amount of work um, on menopause policies and surveying our members. So our our activists in our union were saying, okay, FSU had been leading the way uh, in the workplace on menopause. Why can we not have a look at menstrual health in general? Right, explain it to us. Explain it to us, will you? I'm I'm always uh, uncomfortable talking uh, about uh, the menstrual cycle or periods uh, because I'm a man on the radio. But explain it to the men. What is endometriosis? So endometriosis would be a medical condition and um, it's it's around the lining of your womb and it would have painful side effects. Now, we're talking about women who would have this where when they have their period every month, they would be really debilitated with pain. I mean, you're talking like... Um, they can't move, they can't go out, they've got heavy periods and stuff. So mm. we're not really talking about... Um, a policy that um, is bringing in a lot of uh, special needs for women every month who are having every peri- uh, mm. having periods every month. We're not talking about you know um, time off every month for mm. every woman or anything. We're talking about bringing policies in that the, will the, make this um, is extreme life. pain that really impacts a, on pain. every aspect of your life: pelvic pain, pain during yeah. sex. Yeah. Uh, pain and discomfort going to the toilet, bleeding from your bottom, feeling tired all of the time, apparently. Yeah, it is. But it's important to say that 96% of the women surveyed all welcome a support policy in the workplace. So this is not just for extreme circumstances. Mm. It's about having consideration for extreme circumstances, but it's also about creating an environment in which workers can openly and honestly 
initiate and kind of engage in discussions about periods, right? So it's whether um, it's about having a comfortable and inclusive workplace, but it's also about breaking the stigma and talking about it, you know, because the type of things that we would be looking for in policies um, are really around some reasonable accommodation, especially, as I said, for people with the severe medical conditions, um, but also mm. around that, a guarantee that those absences related to those medical conditions don't trigger attendance improvement plans or performance improvement plans, but that's an important piece. But generally speaking, overall for women, I mean, 9 out of 10 of the women uh, that we surveyed said that menstrual health affects their working life. So we yeah. would be looking for flexibilities around, you know, an option to work from home if you have a bad period, uh, flexibility around working hours, um, you know, additional rest breaks if you need to take medication. And then there would also be, you know, simple kind of environmental support that employers can do around office mm-hmm. temperature, desk fans, breathable union form fabrics. There's a lot of things that are very, very simple asks right. for employers. You are, know, me- are, 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 are men interested? I mean, you've won this argument before you even start with women, <laughs> but, 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 but are men at all interested? Yeah, well, we have obviously a lot of male um, members as well. Mm. We have a lot of male members on um, sector committees, etc., mm. in our in our union, who are very interested in taking this forward. Um, you know, our survey says that that almost half of the of the women and. Um, are kind of not comfortable talking about this in the workplace because mm. of the gender of their managers. Mm. Now, we're speaking to managers and we're speaking to men in the workplace as well. And yeah. they're saying to us that they don't know, just like what you said, Michael, we yeah. don't know how to deal with this. Yeah, right? because I'm, I, I've always thought it's none of my business. Yeah, well, they feel uncomfortable. And mm. that is why there's a need for a policy. If there's a policy in the workplace, a manager can refer to the policy. It's openly spoken about in the workplace. Mm. And, you know, then or, or doesn't have to be spoken about because there's a policy in place. Well, you may need to go and speak to your manager mm. if you need to so but, So that's OK. Mm. But the manager yeah. will have something to refer to. It's not embarrassing. He can mm. actually even refer the person to the menstrual health workplace policy. You know, so it just... It just gets that conversation going and gets it started. And I think this is, you know, this is very early days in the Republic of Ireland to be talking about periods in the workplace. Mm. And I think the fact that there's an awful lot of groundwork being done on the menopause work, mm. that, you know, I think we're, we're kicking an open door. We're already speaking to employers in our sector who are telling us that we're kicking an open door with this. So this isn't off the wall stuff. Yeah. This is stuff, you know, women are really valued in the workplace. There's a lot of... I suppose clear financial benefits for employers to adopt policies like this, you know, mm. considering the needs of women, because it's about retaining uh, your experienced and valued staff. And, you know, it also helps the staff themselves to manage their conditions, having these policies in place and reduces the likelihood of long term sick absence. And, you know, there's there's so many positives yeah. around this as well that it seems like a kind of a no brainer. It, it does uh, to a, a large degree. Uh, but I, I think there's been a, a traditional view that, well, you know, this is life get on with it. I, I, I think in life uh, that women probably got a raw deal when uh, the creator uh, whatever that means uh, was uh, looking at mankind uh, because uh, the uh, inevitable solution to bad periods uh, is the menopause and I'm not sure yeah, anybody would want to swap one better. for the other. Yeah. No? yeah well I mean look women have had it probably particularly difficult in the workplace around this stuff and I think that you know 
especially over the last maybe 10 years in particular, women are really getting their voices heard in the workplace. There's a lot of work being done on a lot of different issues. You know, you know, we, we particularly in our union have done a huge amount of work on the domestic violence leave stuff, the menopause stuff. We're doing stuff on the gender pay gap. You know, there's, there's an awful lot of things now where women are really speaking out. I mean, if you think about traditionally, historically, when women were looking for supports in the workplace, it used to be things around maternity leave. And, you know, the counter-argument for that at the time was, oh, well, if, if, if you bring in maternity leave, employers just won't employ women. Mm. Well, that didn't happen. I mean, we have more women in the workforce than ever. Maternity leave has been improved. Okay. Um, women are staying mm. in the workplace yeah. longer. So uh, and women are women. <laughs> and, uh, you know, uh, what that means. But So stop the stigma is what you're saying. We have to leave it there. Thank you indeed for joining us this morning. That's Mandy Lacombe, Senior Industrial Relations Officer with uh, the FSU, the Financial Services Union. That's our programme for this week. God willing, we'll see you for our next programme on Monday morning, 9am on LMFM. Good morning. Bye-bye. The Michael Reed Show podcast. Tune in weekdays from 9 on LMFM. To contact us, email now. Michael at lmfm.ie Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.